seated. We're taking things a little differently today, um, concert of prayer, and so uh, after some time of singing, I'm going to share some words on prayer, and then we're actually going to have communion, time of confession and communion, and then after that, there's going to be what we call a concert of prayer, just time for us to really dig into prayer together, and so um, looking forward to that. Uh, I'm also just excited to to be here this morning to see everybody. You know, it's always a bit crazy during the holidays and everybody travels and we miss at different times and so we miss each other and don't get to see each other. It's a real blessing to see your faces this morning. Um, We had a sweet time around Christmas where we were down at my parents' house in San Diego. Uh, Many of you know and you've been praying for us and I appreciate that so much that uh, our parents have moved, my parents have moved into retirement home and uh, my mom is needing special care, which is very costly, and so we've got to get their home turned around in San Diego so we can rent it. And so we had 11 of us, our family, my brother's family, and my dad down there for a whole week, just working like crazy. And it was amazing to see everybody's giftedness come out. People found what they were good at, what they could do, and, and it was just a really beautiful thing. So I uh, would appreciate you keep continuing to pray for us. I'm hoping that by the end of January, we can have this thing turned around. Might be a little optimistic, but uh, that's what I'm really going for. So I'll, I'll be there next week as well, next weekend, uh, working on the house. So it's a little update on us. Excited to hear some of your updates. I got to hear some already, and uh, just wonderful that uh, many of you were blessed with time away and time with family, and God continues to work, and so that's a real grace upon us. Um, I, I, one of the passages of Scripture that I come back to, or that comes back to me often, is found in Acts 2, and this is in verses 42 through 43. Um, and here we have described what the early church was doing, how they spent their time right there in the very beginning of the church. And it, it's so precious to me because, you know, these were the first days of the church, and these were the people who spent time, many of them, with Jesus, who knew Jesus. And so it's like this precious little window into what they decided was the right way for them to gather together and to do life together here in Acts 2.42. It's kind of, a kind of an inherent magnetism to it because it shows us how they, they, they did church right from the beginning. And here's what it says, Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Rewind. Four things there. Underline in your Bible, look at what they are, maybe write them down in your notes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So there were four things they did. They dug into the apostles' teaching. We would typically consider that the scriptures now because the apostles' teaching became the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet but they had the teaching that would become the New Testament. They dug into the scriptures. They spent time together. Now, it's interesting that this is called out because 
um, as I'm going to talk about in a minute, the community would have been overlapping in a number of ways already, but they intentionally made sure that they gathered together. They had fellowship. Relationships were critically important to the early church. They broke bread together. So they shared the Lord's table. Probably that refers to sharing the Lord's table, but then also the meal that they would share together after they spent time in worship. So it's a combination of that fellowship around the breaking of bread. And it says they prayed. Now I just want to remind you that, you know, we've sought to order our church around these things as well. We study scripture uh, on Sunday uh, in the morning when we're together, we study scripture like we're doing right now. Uh, and then in home group, we take that same scripture and we, we try to really go to the next level, the next layer and apply that scripture to our specific circumstances and the, the, the situations that we're in, our personality, our lives. That's what a big part of home group is for, is to help drive that scripture more deeply but it's in the context of community, right? Uh, and then we have uh, special gospel academy opportunities where, again, they're built around the scripture and we're looking to, to study, to devote ourselves to the scriptures. So we study the scripture. We practice fellowship, again, in home group. A lot of the things that we do have the layers of these four means of grace layered in. So, so the, one of the beautiful things about home group is you come around the scriptures, but you do it in fellowship with others, and the scriptures help to build community, and then the scriptures help direct that community, and then the community helps you understand the scriptures. It's a beautiful synergy that takes place there. Um, that also happens on Sundays when we're, we're hearing about the same scripture together, and then we can have offline conversations throughout the week about it. Uh, and then we have what we call Emmaus partnerships. These are usually triads, groups of, of three who get together and, and go even deeper than you would in the home group. This is where we really confess sin, where we share the deep things, the brokenness in our lives, um, and, 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 and also around uh, the scriptures. And so we've got fellowship uh, woven in, uh, and those are just some of the ways. There are others also. And we celebrate communion. Uh, one of the distinctive, distinctives of this congregation is that we have communion every week. Uh, we believe that the early church did that. That's, as far as we know, the early church celebrated communion every week. And so we've wanted since the beginning to put that at the center of what we do. And it's, it's, it's the, the, the breaking of bread is indicative of not just this part, but the whole worship service that's related to this particular uh, act of breaking bread. And so we celebrate communion together every Sunday. And there's some beautiful things that come with that in terms of the reflectiveness that causes us to enter into regarding our own lives and our, our souls and, and just sort of reconnecting with the gospel, making sure that we are practicing confession as a regular part of our lives, um, sharing this, this beautiful picture that together we are one as a community of faith. Uh, and then uh, we pray. We pray. That's the fourth one. So... We, we study the scripture, we have fellowship together, we celebrate communion, and we pray. And one of the things you notice about the early church is how prayer is woven in to the very fabric of their life together. Prayer is woven into the very fabric of their life together in some pretty um, expansive ways. They prayed at regular times. They prayed when they were stuck, like when they, when, when they didn't know what to do next, they prayed. They prayed when tragedy struck, when 
somebody was put in prison, they all got together and prayed for that person, Peter. When, when, when the disciples uh, found themselves in prison, they spent the night praying together. They just, it, was, it was just compulsive. It was impulsive. It was reactive. It was what they did. When they had need, they prayed. And when they didn't have need, they prayed. The early church prayed. They prayed when they needed direction. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. You could say that the vibrancy and the growth of the early church was really just a series of answered prayers. The vibrancy and the growth of the early church was really just a series of answered prayers. And I want to call out, when we think about ourselves and our lives and our collective life together in relation to the early church, I want to call out that praying in the modern world, I think, is actually fairly difficult. Praying in the modern world is difficult in relation to what we see in the early church. For one, we lack the same kind of community that the early church enjoyed. And number two, we have distractions. So there's something we lack and there's something that we have that makes prayer a little bit more challenging for us. We lack what people sometimes refer to as thick community. Thick community. What does that mean? What's meant by that? Well, the early church was together constantly, and, and a lot of that boiled down to geography and the smallness of the, the cities even that they inhabited together. So you couldn't, you couldn't get in your car and drive to another city and work all day, while at the same time everybody else in your community of faith was driving to a different city and working all day. You were all together in the same place. So geography created this thickness to the community. There were overlapping layers where the people were together. And when that happens, that enables you to to pray for one another more frequently. When you're together, you can pray. I have friends that when I'm with them, we pray together. The reason we don't pray is because we're, when we're not together, right? So geography and kind of a, 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 an overlapping community has a huge part to play in the intentionality and the depth and the richness of our prayer lives. And this would have happened more naturally for the early church, but for us, because of the nature of modern society, we have to be much more intentional to be engaged in the same kind of prayer. We have to intentionally overlap with one another. That's why we do, in some ways, home group, I would imagine, would almost be like unnecessary in the early church because their lives were woven together. They were overlapping. But we don't have that because we go to different places every day, so we have to be more intentional so we have home group so that we can create that kind of thick community together where our lives are overlapping. And this has a huge impact on our prayer lives. And so the lesson there is that if we are going to enter into the kind of prayer that the early church uh, exhibited, then, then we need to be more intentional about it. At the same time, we do have a lot of distraction. Uh, and the distractions impose themselves upon us in great force. Uh, again, compare your life to the early church, right? And there were no cell phones and there, were no, there was no social media. There was no regular media. And so there was just a, there were no radios and, and like headphones and, 
you know, MP3 players. And so there was this tremendous space and you walked everywhere. And so there was, there was slowness. And that also contributes to a healthy life of prayer. If you're like me, you know, you hate to see that little red bubble on your apps, on your phone. And every time you see that little red bubble that has the counter of how many messages or emails or whatever, you know, if you're like me, part of you compulsively wants to eradicate the red bubble, right? And so the world through the red bubble is imposing itself upon you. It's calling to you. It's drawing you in, right? There's no red bubble that shows how many prayers I missed praying today, right? So that's different. And maybe we should create that app. It's probably out there. You know, like, okay, you missed this prayer and you didn't pray here and you didn't pray here. It just, it just listens in and like, no, this is terrible. So, so the point is, the point is though that we have all these distractions that are crashing into us every moment and we have very little pushing back and then we can't even feed off of the community that would help us to be more engaged in prayer because we're all scattered to the winds. So prayer is hard. Prayer is difficult in modern society. And so we need to be more intentional about it. There's not, uh, my, my goal is not to you know, be hopeless here. Let's get on to some hope. Uh, if we're going to pray uh, like the early church prayed, we need to be intentional. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to invite you for the month of January into three things related to prayer. Three intentional movements related to prayer. I'm going to invite you into three things related to prayer. But before I do that, I want to just remind you of one more thing that happened, two more things that happened related to this moment in Acts 2.42 when the early church was gathered together and they were, they were doing these four things, the, the fourth one being prayer. What was the result of them engaging in these four activities? And it's right there in the text. It says, awe came upon every soul. When they engaged in prayer, real prayer, in the midst of this intense community, awe came upon every soul. Did you see, some of you might have seen, the New York Times had an article on the health impacts of awe this past week. The health impact of awe. And all kinds of great things happen in the body when we sense awe. When we have an experience of awe, our heart rate slows down, our breathing deepens, uh, oxytocin is released. The negative voices in our heads are quieted. This is all according to studies they've done. Um, and our nervous system is calmed down when we experience a sense of awe. And guess what? Studies show that people who pray experience greater levels of awe. Okay, so, so there's something deep about the way God made us where we need to be praying. It's good for us. Of course, we could go on and on. I don't have time today because this isn't a full sermon on prayer, but there are so many other reasons that prayer is significant. And then the second impact, the second result of their coming together in this way happens. I didn't read the verse. It's in verse 47. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So when they engaged in these things, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but um, this is what I want my life to be about. 
Seeing people find the goodness and the grace and the glory of God in Jesus Christ. So much of what we give our time and our efforts to, it's like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic, right? We're just sort of, just changing things a little bit for a little while. But the result of a community of faith that engages in these four things and does them together is that people's eternity is changed. Because they, they encounter the goodness of God, the grace of God, and it changes their lives forever. They come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So pray for yourself because awe is good and prayer leads to awe. But pray for others because you want your life to count in eternity as you participate in the transformation of the lives of others. All right. So here's my three invitations. This is what happens when we pray. Um, excuse me, this is what I'm inviting you to pray, how to pray uh, in, in the month of January. Real quick, and then we'll finish up, and we're actually going to pray. The first one is to pray now. Pray today. We're going to have a concert of prayer right now. And, and this is, so this is the lowest hanging fruit. This is the easiest thing. Just stay here. Don't leave. And we're going to finish on time and everything. We're not going to be able to, but just pray pray today. And you're going to see the impact of community on helping you to pray. Community is so important for prayer. All right. Second one is fast in January. We've talked about fasting uh, a number of times. There are books related to fasting that we've made available when we were going through the spiritual disciplines. If you have questions about fasting, please reach out to me or to others of our leaders and we would love to have a conversation with you about fasting. I'm gonna be fasting in the month of January on Mondays and Wednesdays. The way I do it is a 24-hour fast, so dinner to dinner, so dinner on Sunday night will be the last thing I eat, no snacks and whatever later on, and then uh, I'll, I'll have dinner again. Not very, uh, for some of you, that's like, you do that just because you forget to eat. Um, for others of you, that's like a, basically a crisis moment. Um, depending on how your body is, right? So maybe for some of you, you need to fast a little bit longer than that to really make it, it have its impact. Great, you can fast all the way from Monday to Wednesday if you'd like. For some of you, uh, fasting on a day like that will be a huge stretch. So just pick one, Monday or Wednesday, and, and, and give it a try. Um, make a list of your prayer requests on that day. Keep the scriptures close to you, and when you don't know what to pray, pray through the scriptures, Make a list, pray through the scriptures. In the time when you would be eating, dedicate it to prayer and reading your scripture and letting God do his work on you. And then thirdly, my third invitation is to pray with your church family in the month of January. Pray with your church family in the month of January. We're going to uh, have a one-hour prayer meeting every Wednesday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. You can join us at the church office or you can Zoom in if you can't be there physically. So we'll get that Zoom link to you and make it available this week. But from seven to eight on the next Wednesdays in the month of January, join us uh, as we pray corporately together. And I can see the kids are getting anxious and so we're gonna release them in just a little bit. Um, but uh, let's create some thick community around prayer by being intentional and communal as we seek to grow our prayer life. 
And let's fight against the distractions. And most importantly, let's see what God will do with this community of faith as we continue to grow